Welcome to Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. I am your co-host, Jacob, and we are, uh, this is part two of our interview with the Latinos Who Lunch. Allison, do you want to uh, let us know what we're to expect today in the interview? Sure. In this episode, Jacob and I talked to Emmanuel and Justin of Latinos Who Lunch, and uh, both of them tell us about their voyage here in Las Vegas. Emmanuel is a PhD art history uh, professor at UNLV, so he talks about um, trying to radicalize his students in the classroom. He talks about um, studying colonial uh, Mexican art history. Justin talks about his experience as a visual artist here in Las Vegas. He works primarily with uh, tissue paper art. And they talk about networking in the art world, the complexities, and about the need for better representation in art institutions here in the United States. So it's a great episode. We're really excited Heck for yeah. you to hear it. So yeah. here is part two of the uh, Best of Las Vegas award-winning Latinos Who Lunch podcast. Uh, well, it's our podcast, but we're featuring the two gentlemen who host that one. So mm-hmm. here you go. Here's part two. Arre! So that's a good... Uh, a moment of transition actually like I'd, we'd like to talk about your work as well so right. uh, you recently graduated you obtained your PhD correct mm-hmm. yes felicidades gracias so um, how did you get into you're an art historian yes how did you get into that I have no clue no actually <laughs> I always wanted to write mm-hmm. so I I started um, I, I I was always artistically inclined since I was a kid but nobody else in my family and I have like 40 50 cousins and nobody else is mm-hmm. um and I started to get into literature in high school, in junior high, in La Secundaria. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I said, I want to write like this. But I noticed that they're so descriptive in everything they write. Like Garcia Marquez, just describe a room. I was like, oh, this guy knows about art and furniture. Like, I got to learn this stuff. Mm-hmm. So finally, when I was in college, I decided to take my first art history class. And within the first five minutes, I said, but that's it. This is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And what is it, Um, 17 years later, here I am teaching art history. Um, I, in UNLV, I was trained, very classically trained to look at a lot of Renaissance and Baroque stuff, and I'm very grateful for that. But then in 2006, I took a trip down to Guanajuato, and I went to this small church of Atotonilco el Grande, and it's promoted by tourism in regards to that's the place where the forefathers of the of the independence they picked up the flag and it was a painting of the Virgen de Guadalupe blah blah blah. But the whole entire church is painted from the bottom to the top. It's oh, an 18th wow. century. They call it the Sistine Chapel of Mexico. But there's a Sistine oh, Chapel of every fucking country everywhere right. you go, right? <laughs> so. Um, and I have no idea. I had no idea. I was like, this is one of the most beautiful spaces I've seen in my life. And I was fortunate enough that to <laughs> to get a credit card and travel to Europe. But there was nothing like I saw there. And I said, I need to learn this. I need to learn about these things. Right. Why is this all this... Um, all this amazing iconography and art, and we don't know anything. I never learned it in, in school and, and studying in Mexico. So that's when I decided to look for grad programs and go into colonial art history, and, and here I am. 
And what have you learned about Mexican society since you've been studying art history? Just like every other society is rotten. You know? um, we, um, we as a society are very embedded in our colonial legacy. Um, everything from race, class, and gendered. It's, it's, we're submerged on that still. And I feel like people are surprised that they don't know how much of that the Spanish created for us like three, 400 years ago. So when we go to the root of things, like half of my students like fall apart every single semester. Mm -hmm. And it's very hard, but it's also very important to do that. Um, I fell apart for four years. And um, finally, I picked up myself. I decided to finish, and now um, I'm teaching it. So art is just a vehicle. Um, not, I don't see it as a vehicle for expression, but a vehicle to learn some of these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and look at the world through a different lens. Yeah, because we are we live in the uh, we live in a society of faux wokeness where we are aware mm -hmm. of things every day because of social media. But when you really get into the core of how everything started and how it functions, then you realize how much you're embedded in that system. Mm -hmm. And it's disheartening and it's and, and it, it, it can destroy you. But that's where you have to, again, put yourself together and try to make a change. Mm -hmm. And I've been fortunate enough, thanks to my family to have the privilege to study, and now I can do that in my classroom. Mm -hmm. um, but we all have a different ways to do it, you know? And, and my, my channel is art. So you're trying to what you're trying to teach your what are you trying to teach your students? My goal in life is to have a radical classroom, mm -hmm. yes. the most radical classroom I can have, um, and and it can be through like European looking paintings. Um, that's all I want to do. So I, I might not I might not go to the streets and protest, but I will dismantle things through the classroom. Yeah, mm -hmm. absolutely. Oh, yeah, oh, that's awesome. We dig. Yeah. 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 Well, um, just. Uh, little parenthesis you're in the den of descent right now that's what we call this little mm, place and so we have right. some Charlie Hebdo Shepherd Ferry so we're all about you know protest art so nice. if you nice. ever come up yeah. with something we'd love to have it in here yeah. uh. here's a guy here <laughs> well speaking of the artist Bobby can you tell us <laughs> well my work is not political at all um, come on <laughs> I, like to, I like to make art about um, you know, just like feelings. And <laughs> I love abstractions. Um, <laughs> rivers, yeah. rivers next to log cabins. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm a visual. I'm a visual artist, and I've been at it for like ten years now. I became a full time visual artist a year ago. Um, I haven't had those. A, no, you just come those. A year ago, I became a visual, <laughs> visual artist. And He's like, no, I wasn't yeah, charging. I, I had several jobs, and I was an artist before that. Um, but I don't know. I don't know what I would be doing if it wasn't art. That's like, I just, mm -hmm. it's just like something that I naturally stuck with. Mm -hmm. um, and I was actually in high school, all that's uh, before college, I didn't really make anything. I was a musician. Um, oh. I played the tuba, um, <laughs> and I even played the tuba for two years in college because I am very loyal to whatever the fuck I dedicate myself to. That's true. Uh, to a fault, um, so I'm like, I'm just gonna play the tuba for the rest of my life, and then I got Here to realize Justin with his tuba. Yeah, and then I'm like blacked out, drunk with a tuba <laughs> yeah. at the UNLV football game. 
names because they're awful. And oh, they no. just had to get through. And I'm like, maybe I should change my major. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you did good. You did good. Yeah. I took an art class because you took, like, to fulfill humanities credit. Mm. And then I just kept, I loved it. I loved drawing. Mm. I, shout out to Wendy Kavek. She was my first art teacher ever. Mm. And, um, then I started taking design classes, and then once I took sculpture, there was like no turning back. I love. I fell in love with sculpture, and just oh, nice. making three dimensional work. Um, so that's what I do now. I do mostly installation art, mm-hmm. um, and most of it is done with paper, uh, tissue paper specifically in a piñata mm-hmm. style, um, because you know once I made the first piñata sculpture. There was like no turning back. Everybody loved it. And when you're a brown person making art about your identity, like that's it. You're locked in you for the rest of your life. When you were little? I didn't. No. No. I actually hate piñatas, which is oh, like sure. that makes sense. Oh. Which yeah. So now I dedicated my life <laughs> to Babelito it. Babelito hates art and yeah. you hate piñatas. Yeah, and here we are. Yeah, I, I, uh, I'm really interested in the symbols of Mexicanidad, Latinidad. I'm half Guatemalan, half Mexican, but a lot of Shout people... Shout out to the Chapinas. Yes, but most people don't know where Guatemala is, so uh, I'm mostly just Mexican. <laughs> I know, oh, you know, I know where know, Guatemala no, he knows, is. He knows. Yes, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I do know where Guatemala is. Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's half Central American. Yeah. Yeah. Am I? I mean, you You are. You are. Yeah. Guatemala is the Mexico of Mexico. (laughs) So, um, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Build the wall. So. No, um, don't. (laughs) I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Um, So, yeah. I. It's it's a very interesting time right now because, you know, uh, I've been thinking about this a lot. Like, would I be a successful artist if it wasn't for this political climate right now, mm-hmm. right? As institutions uh, in America, like, they're being really, they're, they're the, white, the white supremacy, like, that haunts all of these institutions mm-hmm. is, the, the veil has been taken off, mm-hmm. and they can't ignore it anymore. So as people of color, we have an opportunity now to step in mm-hmm. and make statements when before we weren't allowed in those spaces. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm being allowed to um, enter these spaces now and say whatever the hell I want, which maybe before I would have gotten a little bit more pushback. But I think places... Um, I mean, I even had a meeting with the Getty, which like I never thought I would even talk. What? Anybody would ever wow. want to talk to me, right? But it's like, but still, my ideas were too crazy for them, right? Because, yeah. you know, right? The Getty, the, <laughs> the Getty. Getty. <laughs> but um, or any big institution any big institution, in but I mean, that's like the whitest one. Yeah. So, um, literally white. Model. Yeah, literally. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, I was like, it's too bright in here. <laughs> yeah. I think the group of the. The architects, the, the one of the architects that did that building is totally called the Whites. That's how they call themselves. Oh, oh. That's oh. Jesus! Very unfortunate. Yeah. Anyway, oh, keep going. God. Sorry. No, so it's been really <laughs> great because I've been given this opportunity. I've been given so many opportunities over the last maybe like four or five years. Uh, a lot of people are realizing, oh shit, we haven't had a Latinx show 
at this institution for over a decade, you know, and the last show that they had was about the Chicano movement in the 70s, you know, <laughs> so it's like, come on, like, get your shit right. together, people, yeah. like, pretty soon, all, you know, most of the artists in America will be brown artists, mm-hmm. um, and so these institutions need to catch the fuck up, and they're finally realizing that. Yes, um, it's like diversity is not black and white anymore, it's, it's, it has other different shades of colors, and mm-hmm. they're trying to fit us in that narrative. And it's, it's, it's gonna be, it's gonna take a long time, but, but what Justin is saying, it's a like, great example of, of how the idea of diversity is slowly changing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, and I and I see my the my work a lot of times is literally covering up white walls with paper, with colorful paper, mm-hmm. and that's like a way of me of claiming that space as my own for the time that the exhibition is up or the installation is up. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's been really cool lately. A lot of these installations, usually in art shows, like three to six months, but I've recently been asked to do installations that are years long, you know, which is really cool um, and a little bit more permanent. Um, so through the network of, of the art world, which is really weird to navigate through because mm-hmm. there's rules, but at the same time, there is no rules, right? Mm-hmm. Um, uh, I've been. I met so many amazing people, um, so many amazing artists, and for a long time, um, you know, people just want to label you, right? Like, mm-hmm. oh, you're a Chicano artist, you're a Mexican American artist, you're an immigrant, you're whatever. And I always rejected a lot of those identities mm-hmm. because I'm not Chicano, right? I'm I'm half Guatemalan, and I'm first generation, right? Chicano, second and third. So uh, I always thought that I was a I didn't want to be an imposter in these art shows, um, mm-hmm. but I've been in so many Chicano and air quotes shows recently, um, or in the past like three years that like I know a lot of these guys now. I know, I know a lot of these women in these shows mm-hmm. and they're like, hey, you know what? It's cool. You can be in this show with us. You understand the history and now you're the future of that. So um, that has probably been like the best part. I think the most rewarding part of um, showing my artwork. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So something that I've uh, think is super interesting, and I've learned a lot of, uh, after listening to your podcast, especially when you travel abroad. Mm-hmm. Well, when you travel, sorry, throughout yeah. the country, and you exhibit in other uh, museums and everything. Talking to like the curator at the uh, museum in Miami, like she was uh-huh. the first female, I believe, mm-hmm. Latina, etc. And just realizing that these, inst- I didn't really realize this until both, like both of you in both the artistic and academic world, talking about there really wasn't a lot of uh, people of color represented in these institutions and just realizing how white they are. So, mm-hmm. I mean, how do we break those barriers? How can the public support you? And how can we incentivize more people of color to enter these fields? Well, I mean, Babelito's doing that right now. Mm-hmm. It's like, it has to start from the bottom up. And I'm not saying Babelito's at the bottom. Um, but mm-hmm. I'm just saying, like, no, it starts from the institutions mm-hmm. with the education, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, if they're... <coughs> Do it. I am sick of learning Mexican art history and black history from white people. Like, mm-hmm. that is... N- I, you can't learn... You can't learn Mexican art history from a white person. Like, they always miss something, mm-hmm. right? You need it from the other lens. That's why I love the movie Get Out. Like, when I watch Get Out, you can just <laughs> tell, right? You can just tell that it's directed by a black person. Mm-hmm. Like, why? Like just where the lens would focus, how uncomfortable it was. Like, oh my gosh, is this... It's so great, yeah. So, anyways, 
that transfers through all sorts of uh, through 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 all sorts of things, right? Mm-hmm. And when it, when it comes to academia, like girl, like I don't. I don't think you're getting the full scope. And like Babalito said, this is the Sistine Chapel of so-and-so. I'm like, well, why does it have to be compared to the Sistine Chapel? Ah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah, that exactly. is not the basis of everything. Yeah. Right? It's Tenochtitlan. Right. Yeah. The, They're like, the how, did these, yes. yeah, how did these brown people make make this? Oh, it was aliens. It wasn't brown people. They're not, you know, the, yeah. they don't They don't know math. Well, and that, and yeah. that's something that even in our countries we like to say. Yeah. Right? I mean, it starts in Latin America and our own people holding, holding themselves down. No? Totally. Mm-hmm. Totally. But, um, Yeah. Anyway, it's I mean, the 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 institution of the museum is rooted in a lot of oppression and a lot of looting and a lot of colonization. Um, And and because of that, we're not welcome on those spaces. And it's going to take a long, long, long time. There's a couple museums that are addressing their own history and developing it. Mm -hmm. But still, the most important museums in this country and, and around the world, they don't. I mean, we just we just saw a bunch of stars parading on Instagram, um, Catholicism, like celebrating Catholicism, completely disregarding indigenous oppression, right? I mean, we're like, yes, Rihanna, yes, Cardi B, like, yes, they they look fabulous. But that just goes to show you... I liked Francis Dorman. (laughs) But that just goes to show you that... That we're still rooted in this mentality. That would yeah. be amazing to see like a beheaded Indio costume. Yeah. Damn, bitch. That would have been a stick. Cardi that B. Would have been, that would have been great. Damn, yeah. Kind of that would have been a good, yeah. that would have been a good like, political comment. comment. Yeah. yeah. Damn. But that's the thing. It's the Met. It's like, it's like mm-hmm. the highest institution of right. knowledge through art. And I mean, think about it. Like the architecture of those buildings, it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's based on neoclassicism or classical buildings. So it's about Greeks, democracy, justice. And so we're just, we're embedded everything, everything when it comes about institutions of knowledge, mm-hmm. we're embedded on those European ideas. So right. we don't realize how fucked up that is. And we start thinking about other, um, other communities, other civilizations, and some of the um, some of the knowledge that we have killed, we, things are not things are not going to change. Well, I got really worldly for a second, but no, but that's how the, that museum yeah. is. A museum is a perfect reflection of the university system, for example, mm-hmm. um, and it's very very complicated. But I feel like at least we're having those conversations, even if it's in a superficial social media level. Which right. even when I started grad school. All this shit was so new to me, and it was like, oh my god, everything is so fucked up. But I feel kids now at least know. Maybe they don't know exactly why it's so fucked up, but they know that it is fucked up. Mm-hmm. So that's important. Yeah. 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 I mean, I was happy to see on social media that there was a lot of commentary about the Met Gala, which I I didn't, you know, like I was just really surprised that so I don't I don't follow celebrity. That's not really my thing. But like how much commentary there was about these things was was really was refreshing mm-hmm. um particularly because of how like i mean how specific it was and even and i'm like i'm really into and allison knows this but i'm really into like death fashion and death culture <laughs> um and so like what we do with bodies after we die and oh. a lot of the the people that are really that are very active in what's called the death positive culture were really were commenting on this too, and they're like, "Look, this is really fucked up how mm-hmm. how these people are dressing. Like, this is like this is like a ritual that's also like that's rooted in these certain things. And of course, they're death positive, and so they're also like 
then you're also taking away from the way that certain cultures have respected their dead people and you're making a you know a show of it as well. And I'm not saying not to stop learning about it because there's value on, on exhibiting what the Met is exhibiting. It's just right. the way that we exhibit things. That's mm -hmm. that's where the problem where the problem is. But yeah. Through one one lens only. Yeah, right. exactly. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Well, it's through listening to uh, your type of podcasts and other people that, you know, that hopefully this will open people's minds and it sends you down rabbit holes at 2 o'clock in the morning right. <laughs> trolling uh, Russians and whatnot. 2 o'clock? That's... So early for you, Allison. It's eight o'clock over there. Right. Oh, right, right. Time course, change. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for um, all the work that you guys do. You, uh, you truly are inspiring, and yeah. you know I use you sure. as an educational tool, and so I just look forward to you know following you along your journey. That's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having thank us. You. I mean, two Vegas podcasts yeah. together. That's awesome. Yeah. Represent. That's right. Yes. That's right. Yeah, the greatest crossover ever was not was not the last Avengers movie. It's right here. Oh, I thought you were gonna right here. reference like Gibraltar or something. <laughs> like a crossover. Oh. No, like geographic, no. No. Uh -huh. I'm not okay. I'm not gonna do that. No. No. <laughs> no. All no. right. Well, uh, thank you again. Um, this has been Allison of Wild and Free. Yeah, Battleborn Podcast. Uh, this is Jacob. And who do we have in the studio with us today, Allison? Gentlemen. Favi Fav, Babelito. Of Latinos who lunch. What? Porque todos comemos. <laughs> Is that a new thing? Jessica Wilde, the drag queen, said that when we interviewed her one time. Uh -huh. She was like, oh, Latinos who lunch. Porque todos comemos. She, like made a, she just did a commercial on the and spot. We're like, yes! We should just use that as yeah. our tag. As My our, Oh, like that clip at the end of every episode. Yeah. Down, My dirty down. mind sent me down a place you don't oh, want to Oh, even better. Yeah. Yeah. Even yeah. better, yes. Dirty, dirty. Well, uh, how can people find out about you, follow you on social media? Yeah, we're at Latinos Who Lunch on all social media platforms. <laughs> I'm at Favi Fav, F-A-V-F-A-V-Y, on all social media platforms. Except I never post on Snapchat because Snapchat is dead. Mourn it. Next. <laughs> Preach. True. I'm, I'm Babelito in Instagram and Babelito666 on Twitter. Nice. You appreciate that. <laughs> yes. I do. Awesome. I do. All right. Well, this has been Wild and Free, a Battleborn podcast. Our team here is Jose Sotelo, our producer, and the composer of our theme music. And then we have Ashley Pacheco, who is our fact checker and research assistant. And yeah. creative assistance by Berta Gutierrez. Hey. And of course, Raven, the dog in the Den of Descent, who has been very, very chill today. Yeah. Wow, she's here? Yeah, she's here. Yes. We did Damn. not say any trigger Calladita. words for Raven. No but, triggers today for no. Raven. None. No, no, none at all. No, right. the concha cane on herself. Yeah. Is here. yeah. <laughs> Dirtiness as well. Uh huh. <laughs> all right, well, thank all right. you for tuning in, y'all. <laughs>